Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. All right, we're uh, we're here to talk about the episode with Jeff Hamilton. <laughs> that was an awesome episode. Yeah, uh, a lot of fun to talk to a guy who has dedicated his entire life from the age of 12 mm-hmm. to music. And I thought it was uh, funny. There's some uh, sort of parallels between he and I when he was talking about having to record music on a boombox. That's exactly what I was thinking Playing when he back was to saying the other that. boombox and do the guitar solo on it. Yeah, that's exactly when I when he was talking about that. I almost brought you up at the time. It just didn't naturally flow in the conversation. And um, I was thinking about your story of multi-track recording right. and kind of the do-it-yourself method that you used when you were a little kid. The little cheap way of over overdubbing. Yeah, yeah, and it also too, you know, he he is an audio engineer at heart and kind of an audiophile type of person. And that's the way you've always been. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, he's got himself into a really good situation. Just being in Milwaukee, I think, has uh, helped his career immensely. He seems to be like landing all of these really good gigs. Yeah. Yeah. To be, to be picked up by a band like the Violent Femmes is one thing, but to also be brought into the fold to tour with them around the world. Right. I mean, playing in Australia and Europe, and and now he's got this Metallica project. Which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy is just doing the thing of music. And that's what I admire about Jeff so much. Me too. Yeah. Pretty impressive. It is. And, and, you know, he's got his his day job with the the Milwaukee Bucks, Mm -hmm. which is, but he's not veering away from his true passion, which is sound recording and performance. Yeah. No, and it's if you have you listened to any of the Metallica stuff? Yeah, it's it's really good. It's hilarious. It sounds like Metallica. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. So anybody out there who hasn't checked out Metallica, if you like the Beatles, if you like Metallica, <laughs> either one of those, go check it out. I think you'll get a kick out of that band and and kind of their comedic approach to their love of that music. Yeah, it's it's an interesting mashup. It is. So. Um, what do we have coming up next? Uh, Tess Gallagher. Ah, Tess. Yeah, that was a lot of uh, that was a lot of fun to record. I, I went out to Port Angeles, which was a heck of a trip. I did not realize mm-hmm. how long of a trip that would be, but it was like five hours by car and ferry to oh get gosh. there. She's she is way out in uh, in a part of Washington State that I've never seen before, and uh, got a chance to talk to her in her creative space. Uh, in her home that overlooks the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Yeah. Uh, with eagles flying around in the background over the water as we're talking about her poetry and her short stories and her life story and her time with uh, Ray Carver. I don't want to spoil it too much. There's a lot of great stuff in that episode, but it was really cool to meet Tess, someone that I've admired for a long time and actually met in the early 90s at a reading in Bellingham. Oh, yeah. When I was in college. Yeah, I went to one of her poetry readings. Actually, it was a short story reading for her book, The Lover of Horses. And my wife, Trisha, and I went, met her, got a book signed. And I've always enjoyed her poetry and her work. And also enjoyed the movies that that flowed from her husband's short stories. So, Shortcuts, directed by Robert Altman, 
Birdman, directed by Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. And uh, he, he is the director who directed The Revenant. I don't know if you ever saw The Revenant with mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio. It's this, there's a, a famous scene from that movie where Leonardo gets attacked by a bear. Mm. And it's this long, drawn-out, just grueling scene. And I, I think The Revenant was nominated for an Oscar, if I'm not mistaken. But I know Birdman actually won mm-hmm. an Oscar. And that had Michael Keaton and Edward Norton and a lot of great actors. But Tess was brought in, as you'll hear on the interview. Tess was brought in as a consultant on that film. And um, also on the, the Shortcuts movie with Robert Altman directing, she was brought in as a consultant on that as well. Because... Ray Carver's uh, work was the basis for that film, and she was married to Ray and sort of the curator of all of his stories after he passed away. Um, but that was, uh, that was a great interview. I, I haven't heard the final cut yet of it, but from what I remember, great talk with Tess. Pretty cool to talk to people who are doing things that are way above my pay grade. <laughs> Something I could never do. You give me a pen and paper or a laptop and say, write a poem. Hmm or write a short story. And I would be staring at a blinking cursor on that laptop for hours, probably just afraid, <laughs> afraid of failing and, and not being able to write anything good. You know? Yeah, that is kind of, I'm in the same boat, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I do write, but you tell me to write a poem, something as uh, deep and layered and intense as the poetry that, that Tess writes, I just couldn't do it. So I, I love talking to creatives that are in a space that seems to me to be so inaccessible. Right. But then you get to know her and you realize, you know, she's just a regular person. She's a human being who, who works hard at what she does. Yeah. And is passionate about it and has been hugely successful in a very non-commercial type of way. Because as she put it, and you'll hear this in the interview, you don't become a poet to make money. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not a feasible thing to, um, to sell your work to the point where you're actually making a living off of poetry or short stories for that matter. So you have to become a professor or something like that to sort of subsidize your, your poetry habit, so to speak. You know, the, the writing, uh, the, the writer, that's a very interesting character just over through history. Uh, writers yeah. are very, some of them are in a very dark place. Yeah, I, I think they they write from a place that a lot of people don't want to go, mm-hmm. and that's why they can't be writers because you have to go to those dark places. Yeah. So, I was at a workshop last year, and there was a lawyer telling a story about a man who was on his hands and knees underneath a street lamp, and he's looking around for something, and a police officer notices this man, uh, says, "What are you doing?" He says, "I'm looking for my keys." And it's, it's pitch black out at night. Um, the only light out there is a street lamp. And uh, the, the police officer says, well, where was the last time you saw them? Or where did you last see them? And the man who's on his hands and knees, he points over to this dark alley where there's no light about a block away. He says, over there, I dropped them over there. And the police officer's like, well, why don't you go over there and look for your keys? Right. And the, and the man is like, well, it's too dark over there. <laughs> and that's the way I, I kind of look at writing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people who are going to write, they're going to write under the lamp. Yeah. That's, that's where their comfort zone is. 
Right. They don't want to go to those dark places. The dark places. Yeah. And that's what the best writers do. They go to those that's, dark places. That's where all the good stuff is. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to, to hearing that, that episode and seeing how it shapes up. Me too. So what are you, uh, what are you listening to and watching and what, what are you paying attention to this week? Uh, this week, um, Odessa started watching, it's called Mindhunters. It's a, I've uh, heard of that. It's a show about these two FBI agents that they kind of travel around teaching like these classes and they get involved in the local sort of, um, I think it's based in the East Coast in the 70s, um, different cases of serial killers. Oh, I, okay. I've actually seen that. I saw the first season. Of right. It. There's another season out, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. I just haven't seen the most and recent season. And it's really good. Like the actors that they get to play like Son of Sam and all of the different serial killers, they look just like them and sound like them. And, yeah. And the, the cases are really super interesting. And, you know, you, you were talking last, the last time we talked about finding music in those, like grabbing your phone and Shazam and stuff. Cause you're like, what? Is, I've never heard that song before. Right. Right. So they're just kind of cruising along and then all of a sudden the song comes on. I'm like, I've never heard that song before. What is that? It's kind of, kind of cool. And I Shazammed it and it was the Dwight Twilly band feeling in the dark. Okay. The name of, name of the song. Now and I'm going to download it. Yeah. It's a groovy, short little song. And I've been around since 1970. You'd think I would, would have heard this song that came out in 1976. Right. But it wasn't a huge hit. It's kind of a one-off. You Dwight know. Tooley Band. Twilly. Oh, uh, Dwight, Dwight Twilly Band. Dwight Twilly Band. Yeah, it's okay. actually two guys, I think. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a groovy little song I heard. And I'm like, yeah, I gotta, I'm going to go download that now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I have been watching, and I just finished last night, a series on HBO called The Righteous Gemstones. You were talking about this. Yeah. And I, the first episode, I was a little bit unsure whether I was going to be able to get into it or not. And at the end of the, the season, I'm in. I'm <laughs> all in on this, uh, this show. But it's about a family of evangelical pastors that have a mega church. Oh, man. And so this is created by, and this will tell you a lot about the series, it's created by and written by Danny McBride. Oh, my gosh. Of Tropic Thunder and <laughs> Eastbound and Down. Yes. And he's one of the main characters in the show, which is hilarious. He's I mean, insane, man. Well, anything that Danny McBride does is funny. I mean, that guy can be in a drama, and I guarantee you he's going to make you smile or laugh just by lifting an eyebrow. Kind of like he has that Jack Black yeah. charisma. He sure does. Yeah. And also Adam Devine is in that show. Um, John Goodman, of course, is, is the, uh, the patriarch of the family. The, he runs the church. And, um, I think, you know, it does, it does make fun of the mega church culture or subculture. Good. Uh, so yeah, but, <laughs> and, and, and I think they deserve to be made fun of, oh, frankly, yeah. uh, that type of ministry. I, I'm not, you know, I think you can be Christian and even devoutly Christian and still not be offended by this show because it's a very specific type of parody that is happening there. And it's, so it's not really broadly making fun of Christians at all, uh, but it is making fun of sort of the megachurch subculture. The whole, almost Joel Olstein, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. All of the money and the corruption that, that flows from it and the hypocrisy. It's terrible. But there's so much, it's, it's just a rich, fertile ground for comedy. And uh, Adam Devine plays kind of the youth pastor character who it just nails it. <laughs> he's so funny. Uh, but it's a great storyline. Walt Goggins is in it, and I love Walt. He's, um, he played the, 
the villain in a show called Justified mm. with Timothy Oliphant a couple of years ago. And uh, he's a very talented character actor who's really making a name for himself these days in, in dramas. I saw him at Sundance last year. Um, music I'm listening to, I, uh, I started listening to Nasal Rod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You uh, and I got to go see Nasal Rod. Right. And, and I saw Nasal Rod open for Mud Honey at a sold out show at the Seasons Performance Hall in Yakima. A awesome show. Ago. One of the, the highlights of my year, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, because it's uh, you know, at the age of 48, it's been a long time since I've been to a rock show. Some, you know, almost this is, I, I don't know if I would call it punk rock. It's more just hard driving rock and roll that is not pop in any way. No, I would definitely call it punk. You think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess I just was not I'm really well-versed in punk music in the 70s and 80s, so I, I, I don't know that I'm that great at categorizing music. Well, the, the punk of the 70s is different than the punk of today. It's, yeah. it's the same, but it's not. You know what I mean? Well, definitely, I can see why Nasal Rod would be paired up with Mud Honey. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they have that same sensibility, and uh, and I I was I was prepared to see like you you do often when you see a really good main act, you're prepared for like a mediocre opening act. Oh yeah, you know nobody really goes for the opening act, but Nasal Rod is one of those shows that you do not want to miss. The, they're the lead singer does these Van Halen kicks. <laughs> it's, it's mesmerizing. He does. He does the David Lee Roth karate kick. Yeah. Yeah. And I use that word mesmerizing because I, I was almost in a trance, like watching this. this uh, also, the diversity on the stage of age ranges and mm-hmm. also just types of people that are in this band. Right. You, the lead singer, you would never picture the lead singer being friends with the bass player who would be friends with the guitar player and likewise for the drummer totally different age groups and types of people and i know that's that's kind of a a shallow way to look at it just by how they look but that's another thing that i love about that band Mm -hmm. it's like how did this bass player connect with this drummer and this guitar player and in the the eclectic approach to their songwriting and um, their performance, it was it was great. I agree. Um, and you 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 were nice enough to get me the vinyl. Oh, at the show, at the show, yeah. and I really appreciate that. And they do something different on the vinyl than they do on the CD. And what's that? There is a skip track at the end of side one. It doesn't that doesn't let the needle run out and be picked up and brought back. It's a skip track that stays in one spot. And just back and forth, the same thing over and over and over. And it, it's like a mind fuck, really, because yeah. you're waiting for this thing to end, you know, and your record is at the end. It never ends. No, that's punk rock. That's punk rock. Yeah. I even said something to them on Instagram about it. Said, thanks for the mind fuck at the end of side one. And I got a thumbs up. <laughs> oh, <so>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, Jason, thanks for the recap, man. You bet. Always a pleasure, Brian. See you next time. Hey, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Dream Path Podcast. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to your favorite podcast service and give me a rating and review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. I appreciate your time, and as always, go find your dream path.